Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you. His name is Don Moret. He's a chief marketing officer at Noveta Health. As CMO, Don is responsible for sales and marketing and positioning of services and products. Noveta's health cost containment system is a solution that's going to help the rising cost of healthcare in today's market. The runaway costs have to be curbed somehow, and, and Don and his team are really putting forth some, some innovative approaches to do this. His ability to envision the value of non-traditional partnerships has created new dimensions for market delivery. Defining each partner's role and establishing trust between partners and clients has been the hallmark of his success. So it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Don. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. So did, did I miss anything in that intro that you want to cover? Well, just just one thing. I, I just want to take a second, if I may, and, and speak to my partners. So the founding partners of Noveta Health are, uh, along with myself, are Mark Lindsay. Mark worked for the uh, uh, in the Clinton White House and then went on and worked for United Healthcare for a number of years at a very top level position. Uh, Dwayne Gibson, uh, who worked for Senator Stevens from Alaska, chief of staff for for many, many years, and also worked on the 9-11 cleanup uh, healthcare superfund. And Christy Payne, who has been an executive in the uh, supplemental uh, health insurance world uh, for many years. And and, And the reason why I wanted to emphasize this is that when we got together and we decided that there were there was an enormous change, a sea change that needed to happen in the healthcare industry, our different backgrounds and our different expertise uh, led us to different conclusions than people who were kind of um, you know stuck inside the industry box, you know, at that given time. So. I just wanted no, to bring, a, bring that, that point to light. Don, I, I'm glad you brought it up. And, and it definitely gives uh, the listeners an appreciation for, for the group that you've assembled there or the group that you, know, you guys assembled. And, um, and it's great because when you have a, a variety of, of experienced leaders that uh, have played a role in government and, and payers and the healthcare system, you definitely have insights. And so excited to dive into some of those with you today. What, what is it that got you into the healthcare sector to begin with? Well, we saw independently of one another, and then we, we had all happened to, you know, be, be friends. And, and we saw that the current path in the healthcare system was unsustainable for the country. Uh, that, you know, healthcare had become a percentage of GDP overall that that was going to collapse under its own weight for most, you know, state, local governments. It had become an enormous profit drain from corporations, was holding down, you know, their hiring and, and raises and everything else. 
So we really set out from day one to take on the current system, to completely change it, and to do so on a nationwide basis. And uh, I know it's ambitious, but that is that is exactly where we started uh, right out of the gate, and that's what we've taken on. So what's the plan, Don? I mean, wh- what are you guys planning to tackle first? You know, is it the what costs, right? Because there's a lot of different costs that we could talk about. Right. So here's the largest problem that we see in the healthcare system. It is actually the transfer uh, from from care to cost, right, at the sponsor level. And when I say sponsor level, I'm talking about the employer who provides the healthcare for their employees. So be it a state, a county, a city, uh, a corporation, a nonprofit, a university, whoever that happens to be who is sponsoring the healthcare uh, program and administrating it for their employees, that's where the that's where the level and driver of all the costs is happening. And the reason why it's happening is because the current system is fat. It's top heavy. It is profit motive driven. Their overall goals are not in line with those of users um, and sponsors. And so that's where we really saw the place to make a difference. And, and then that difference will ripple out throughout the entire system and change a lot of things. And, and if I can, I'd like to say here that One of the largest problems is the lack of transparency. There is an incredible, incredible amount of smoke and mirrors that's going on in the healthcare system. When you're out there and you're talking to HR directors, be they the HR director of a large county with, you know, with 10,000 employees or whether they're the HR director of a, of a corporation that has 50 employees. It's, it's amazing to me every day how little they know about the actual health care that they're sponsoring and paying for their um, members mm-hmm. and, and how little data they get back about where the money actually goes. Well, I'm going to have to say that I agree with you, Don. Uh, a couple days ago, I was uh, even, even at the individual level, right? And then it just expands from there. I was in the urgent care with my wife. She had a kind of a stomach thing going on, a lot of pain. It was, we were like on day three, right? So mm-hmm. we get, we get to the urgent care and we are, you know, more informed consumers, I, I would think than, than most given our involvement in healthcare. And we go through and, and they literally just recommend some x-rays and, and then a test for some bacterial infection walk outside. I mean, nobody talks about price. Nobody talks about anything and you don't even get a bill. Like, you know, your, your insurance pays for it, but you don't even get a bill. So you walk out of there not knowing what happened. So I asked the girl at the front, Hey, so how much are x-rays? You know, they took three, they took an AP and two laterals. What's the cost? And she's like, Oh, your insurance pays for it. I'm like, yeah, but what's the cost? And then she told me, um, so I was surprised that she knew actually. Um, it was 225 per x-ray too much, but anyway, I, you know, to your point, even, even to, and, and that really bugs me, you know, like there was no, there was no bill. I got no bill done. Yeah. I'll see it, you in it, a month. 
And who yeah, and, and and on the other end, so when you're when your employer of your of you know your sponsor of your plan, your employer gets that bill, they know even less at that point in time. It is amazing to me. They don't. They have no clue about duplicates. They have no clue if the amount that was charged for any particular procedure was actually proper on their end. Uh, if they're in fully insured plans, what happens is is all they do is they pay the bill every year, and then the following year they they get their their increase. Usually, it's anywhere from ten to you know, 10 to 30% that their premiums go up and they're just like, oh, well, that's how it is. And they pay it again. If they're, even if they're self-insured, many times they have no clue where those bills are going. It's a vicious and, cycle. And, right. And there is, and trust me, those services that you're receiving are being marked up by the plan sponsors. I've seen instances where where procedures have been marked up anywhere from 10 to, you know, 300% uh, before they get billed back to the clients. And the client has no reference point on it. And, and, and when it comes to pharmacy, that's where the enormous, enormous abuses are taking place in, in the PBM industry. And, you know, PBM, of course, is pharmacy benefit managers. And and that's where that's where the the cost of drugs being billed back to plan sponsors are all over the board. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen incredible, uh, how do I say it, uh, profiteering. You know that's going on uh, in the drug industry. You you see politicians every day who scream uh, all the time about the drug manufacturers. I will tell you that while they're they're not without blame. They are not the true problem when it comes to the cost of drugs. The real problem when it comes to the cost of drugs is actually the pharmacy benefit managers who are the middleman between the Pfizer's and the AstraZeneca's of the world down to your plan sponsor who who pays for those drugs that you receive. And they are enormous profit centers. They are some of the largest by earnings, corporate corporate entities in the world. They're bigger than Home Depot, you know, and other household names, Microsoft, other household names. They're incredible profit centers. They're, some of these PBMs are one of them last year earned $3.6 million net per employee of profit. That's in their, their SEC filing. So they're the ones who are really marking up these drugs. Give us an example. Um, what have you guys done at Novetta to curb some of these costs? Can you give us some examples of what you've done differently to create results? Exactly. So, so we've taken each component. First of all, everything we do at Novetta is 100% transparent. Every single one of our clients uh, knows where every single dime is going towards their healthcare spend. So let's take the different components. So the first thing you have to do in in healthcare is you have to reinsure yourself against catastrophic loss. We have a a captive that does that. The captive is run on a fee-for-service basis. So one flat administrative fee, no markup on any claims whatsoever. The captive aggregates uh, all the members of the captive so that they get to buy 
their coverage, their aggregate and individual stop loss as a large, large group paying, paying less for it, uh, those premiums. Any unused premium from the captive is returned. So, so we're really running the major medical portion of this, right, in alliance with our member groups. Each and every claim is checked to make sure there's no duplicates. We check each claim to make sure it's proper and that it's the right amount that you're paying for it before it's billed to you. So that's, that was our largest component that we tackled and, and we've taken care of that. So there's an enormous savings there. That's next on the list. Are you working mainly with employers to, to achieve this? So, so the captive that we use right now um, has, yes, we are working with employers and the captive we, we have right now is about 60,000, covers about 60,000 lives and then to, in, of employed lives. And then you have family members and what have you in addition to that. And as you can imagine, you know, if you're purchasing your, your stop loss and your ISL at that level, you're, you're buying it very efficiently. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's keeping your costs down. And then we're not marking up claims like, you know, the other uh, major insurers are marking up all your claims. You're getting them straight up as they come from the doctor. Uh, we are additionally running the TPA third party administrator to, to service those claims and, and do all your billing and, and accounting and everything else at cost to keep costs down there. And then an enormous one. Our pharmacy benefit manager is running pharmacy on a 100% transparent pass-through model where all any revenue at all associated with any particular drug is passed back to the member. We actually warrant, and I believe we are the only one in the country who warrants that our sole source of revenue is our administrative fee. That's it. So there's no, none of your drugs are being marked up. As a matter of fact, we even share with our members access to our portal so they can see where we're buying the drugs at the, you know, at the wholesale level and that that's how they're being billed to them. And an enormous game that, that is played out there in the market by the pharmacy benefit managers. They say, Oh, well, we're, we're really, we're really big and we give you X amount of percent off of the, you know, off of wholesale and our percentage is very good. That's great. But off of what, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you walk into the store, right. And they're yeah. telling you that everything in the store that day is 50% off. <laughs> well, 50% off of what? You know, you know, you know, when you look at that sweater, you're going to buy that, you know, the 50% off price is about where it ought to be anyway. And that's the similar game that is played in those markets. And that's why you see this enormous alignment right now between the PBMs and the, and the large insurers. They're aligning together because that gives both of them a greater avenue in which to, to, to hide costs from the people that they're servicing, right? So then the, the other component that has to change in this country, it has to change, is wellness population management. Mm-hmm. People's wellness 
cannot be dealt with electronically, which is the way, unfortunately, a lot of wellness managers try to do it. And the problem with that is, is they do cartwheels if they get 25 or 30 or 35 percent participation within a group. That's not the way to do it. Personal engagement's the way to do it. When we go out and we personally engage with our populations, we get in, we get wellness enrollment participation of 80, 90, over 90%. The reason why we do that is we sit with everybody. We call it a, a black bag approach. It's kind of like when I was a kid and I remember being sick on the couch with the mumps and, you know, Dr. Chasnoff would, you know, ring the doorbell and come in with his black bag and uh, see me, see me there. Yeah. It, you need to hold people's hands when it comes to healthcare. All right. They don't need electronic transmissions. They need people to talk to them about their particular situation and instance. They need their hand held. And when you do that, you'll actually change their, the way they treat healthcare, the way they go about it, the things they do in their daily lives for themselves. And that's the big turning point. So we're going to save everybody 30% on their healthcare costs in year one by making these administrative changes to transparency. The real key is changing and managing their population so that in year two, year three, year four, we actually bend that cost curve instead of it going up like it previously was. We're looking to actually bend everybody's healthcare cost curve downward over the next five, 10, 15 years. We're looking for people who are who want to partner with us and make a real change. Well, if you are an employer listening to the podcast today, at the end of it, we'll we'll definitely give you a way to get in touch with Don and and the work that they're doing. I don't know about you, but I definitely would like to see healthcare costs go down. Aside from labor and things of doing business, cost continues to be one of the largest line items. So so what can we do to, to bring that down? So you, you guys have done a lot of work, Don, to, to build this, to grow it. Share with us a story when things didn't go so well, uh, a setback that you had and what you learned from it as a result. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, the largest thing we learned from the beginning that we didn't have a full grasp on when we started this process was we didn't understand how well entrenched the large insurers were with the HR departments and how how they had really figured out a long, long time ago that at the HR level was the place that if if they if they uh, got HR to, you know, to just buy in that, oh, to the mediocre, you know, kind of level of service and to buy in with that, oh, well, that's just how it is. You know, the cost of it goes up every year and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, my, my broker or agent brings me my renewal and I, at absolute best, I'm thrilled if it's somewhere close to even or, you know, or only up 10% and, and how they have over time worked to endear themselves to HR, you know, through either the personal relationship or, you know, unfortunately, sometimes monetary. And so breaking that cycle and getting HR to realize that ultimately the cost of this 
spiraling out of control was going to cause them all kinds of problems, you know, for the organization that they worked for. That was an that's an enormous task for us. Still is. It's our everyday goal that we do and convincing mm-hmm. HR that there is a better way to go about it and that we can help them and we can lighten their their HR load and that by fixing these problems, we can get HR back to doing something that HR used to do years ago, which is actually managing humans instead of managing paperwork. Because so many of them now are spending their time managing the paperwork that goes along with this, usually for most entities, you know, their second or third largest spend. Yeah. There's and and they they've been through years of, you know, poor wellness programs coming in and and having marginal success and what have you. And and so that that really was the learning curve for us to to just get a, a feel for what a stranglehold, you know, these large insurers had on all these organizations. And frankly, that's just profit driven. You know, when when the profits are as high as they are, people will do anything to sustain that mechanism. For sure. For sure. No, that's a really interesting call out, Don. And, you know, the entrenchments of uh, HR and the large insurers buying into the mediocrity, not accepting better. The call out is, is, hey, if you're in HR, what can you do? to not have to accept this. And also to executives running large organizations, medium to large size organizations, how can you task your HR team, your HR leader to cut some of these costs? Don, how about the other side of things? What, what's one of your proudest uh, leadership moments to date? So one of the things, we, so other than you know saving people a lot of money, we're really proud of the, the engagement that we have with employees. And and I get the most personal satisfaction when I know that we were able to engage personally with an employee and make an enormous difference in their life, especially when they're faced with some kind of medical crisis that's happening in their family. And it, And I will tell you, it is always worse for people who are dealing with something that, that's going on with their kids. And when we can make a huge difference there and make that outcome happen smoother and take a burden off of them and help and walk them through it, that that really that really puts a smile on my my face at the at the end of the day, because as I said before, healthcare is personal and it, and it's about engagement and education and it's about handholding. That's really what what kind of floats our boat. Love it. It's that black bag approach, right? Yes. So, so uh, very cool. And yeah, at the end of the day, you do make an impact on people's lives daily. Uh, tell me about an exciting project that you guys are working on today. So we're actually working on a project right now where we would like to bring this system uh, that we put together out to smaller and smaller groups. So that uh, this is easily done all day long for companies from 50 to thousands, you know, not a problem. We're actually working on a project now. We don't have it done yet, but it's fairly far in the mix where we think we can bring this down and reach out even to 
all the way down to hopefully single proprietary companies. That would be interesting. So, yeah, you know, you can't wait. You can't wait on Washington. I know that the, uh, you know, I know that there was an executive order about association health plans, and it was it was loosely written, challenged in the courts. It's probably gonna, you know, in the end, it's probably gonna be, you know, shot down or. Uh, what have you. And, and unfortunately, the way it was written, it was going to incite poor, poorly constructed, low benefit players to get in the market. And that's not what people need anyway. You know, what we always do all the time when we're talking about saving people money, we're not talking about saving them money on a on anything that's cut rate to what they have now. We always improve their overall benefit package and save them money at the at the exact same time. So we're looking to, to, to simultaneously increase the level of benefit to the members because at the end of the day, it, it's all about the members. And, right. and I've sat in front of I've sat in front of CEOs and said, you know what? I really don't care about you. And the reason why I don't care about you, I care about your member because ultimately for both our goods, if your member's happy and your member is well taken care of and we can change their life and their future outcomes and avoid their risk of heart attack and type two and, and hypertension and all those things, it's going to work out for you and I anyway. So right. they're really the ones, the guy down on the, the guy who works on the assembly line, the guy who works out in the field, the woman whose department head, whatever it happens to be, they're our most com- important concern every day. Well, I think that's a great point, Don. And and uh, so when you're talking about even reaching the individual proprietor and smaller to up to larger companies, are you? Is your model one that is uh, self-insured? Are you working with an insurer? Like, what what's the basic model there? Right. So we're running everyone into our captive, as I explained before. So, so all groups are, are with us are self-insured. We make it easy, easy for them to make the transition from fully insured to self-insured. And, and by the way, the reason why we can, we can do a smaller group and we do this all the time is because Normally, they'd go out in the market and the self-insurance market would say to them, oh, well, you're too small. You know, you've got 70 people or you've got 50 people or 30 people. Exactly. Uh, you're too small. We can't get a stop-loss writer to underwrite you because, you know, there just isn't the risk is a problem or whatever. Well, with us, we're bringing your company to all the advantages of being self-insured, but you're not on your own island, Right. So you're you're coming in with us and you're being you're jumping in and now all of a sudden you're becoming part of a sixty thousand man group. You're not out there by yourself trying to buy your your stop loss, your ISL, your aggregate insurance for your group, right? You're you're part of a sixty thousand man group. And if you have bad year, which a small group we already know is gonna have, you know, once out every six years, it's not gonna cause a problem. And it's not even really going to cause you any cost increase at the end of it because we've already planned it into our numbers. And if you're a 50 man group and you have that one bad year, you're not going to even be a blip or move the needle on our 60,000 man group where we've spread the entire risk. So not a problem. 
You could be with us, be a 50-man group, have it, have your one-off year. And by the way, that means the other five years are going to be great, right? And you're going to save all that money, right? You're not going to hit your your maximum amount and, and you're going to save. And, you know, a lot of times those the savings those years will pay for your six-year. And you're still going to get overall um, stop-loss premium back because the overall group did great and you didn't move the needle. There's a lot of times that fully insured companies come to us at, and, and at the end of the day, the aggregate max spend that we give them, which is basically, hey, if you have that horrible year by chance, this is the absolute max that you're going to be out of your pocket. A lot of times, our maximum number is less than what they're already paying in their fully insured premiums. They have no downside. So with us, to switch to us, they're totally upside. We have never yet that I know of had a situation where anybody um, on a current plan moved over and and any member, because again, it's all about the members at the end of the day, none of them have had to leave their their primary position or or, or their specialist or anything. We, we operate on, on all the major networks. And so it's really a painless transition that we do for them. We just need the people to get out of this this old-fashioned thinking that nothing can change, and that's just how it is. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. You know, it's. Um, I think the competitor here is is really apathy. You gotta you gotta say, okay, you know what? I I've got to try something new. At least I got to look at it. So, folks, that's why we have conversations with awesome health leaders like Don doing things differently because. Uh, you know, today's uh, systems won't necessarily take care of tomorrow's needs uh, with the growing competition, not only in the U.S., but also externally. we got to take a look at things like this. So, Don, really appreciate you running us through here. Getting close to the end of the interview, I've got five questions for you in a lightning round, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Okay. All right. Here we go. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Engagement, personal engagement. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Thinking that there is no better way to do things than the way we've been doing it and that it's all just going to continue to go up in cost because that just doesn't need to be the case. Love that. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? You know, I go. I will tell you that the, the heads of our different components. So, so our PBM head, our uh, captive head, our wellness head, our and our administrative head. We work every single day uh, with one another and are of one mind. We work all the time to constantly create the next better mousetrap, and we literally feed off of one another and one another's experiences and ideas in order to constantly bring that next better step. Wonderful. And what is one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Transparency and honesty. It's honesty is a very weird concept uh, when it comes to the healthcare industry and the way it's been run but it's, it's the thing that's going to change it for the future. What would you say your number one success habit is? Well, really, in all, really, I, I, you know, at times 
People say that I sound a little bit like an evangelist or, or on my soapbox, but and, and I get that because really we we are driven by as we were from day one by the feeling that if we don't change this for the better, it's going to collapse our country. Agreed. And, and so, what would you say your favorite book for the listeners is, Don? Anything about the political life of Teddy Roosevelt. He was at a time in America where a number of items, serious social uh, uh, circumstances needed a major change. And, and his determination and courage to change those really made a lasting difference that, you know, has changed the way, you know, America views everything and the way we do things and, and led to our progress in the last hundred years. Love it. Anything by Teddy Roosevelt. Pick one of those books up, folks. I had an opportunity to read a, one biography on him and definitely a lot of learning, a lot of going against the grain for the better of the country, uh, just like Don. Uh, so Don, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch to learn more. Sure. If you're out there and you've been on this uh, whether you're large or small, and and you felt that you are probably being overcharged for the medical services, or or you really want to take control of your population and and learn and and receive the data that will help you make informed decisions uh, about your group and get off the merry-go-round that you have been on. Please uh, talk to us. It will be well worth your time. If nothing else, you'll get a great education out of listening to us. And we can, we can, I can be reached at D Moret, D M A R E T T E at novetahealth.com. Uh, I can also be reached on our website, www.novetahealth.com. And we would love to we would love to talk to you about what this partnership could look like. And you got to remember, we're fee for service. So I have no other goal with the little bit that we charge you other than to keep you as a client. Our overall goal is to get you off of that merry-go-round of changing your carrier every 2.3 years, which is the national average out there. And we, we want to keep you forever. Love that, Don. And uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes is, um, I forget who said it, but I, it strikes me, uh, especially with your comments here, is that the only thing more powerful than all the world's armies put together is an idea whose time has come. And today with the frustration and the things that are going on with healthcare costs. I think your solution's time has come, Don. So listeners, I encourage you to, to just go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Novetta Health in the search bar. Don's information is going to pop up there. You'll see in the show notes his email address like he shared it. Make contact and uh, I encourage you to, to definitely take action on, on his call to action. So uh, Don, thanks again for spending time with us, man. It's, it was truly a pleasure. Thank you, Sal. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. 
Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 